This is the final week. We have hit everyone around you these last three weeks, right? We have, it has been excellent for the person sitting beside you. Today, I want to hit you. Not that I want to hit you. I think the Holy Spirit wants to hit you. He wants to not hit you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to encourage us. He wants to help us. Come on, someone say amen. And so this morning, um, as we conclude with our final week, uh, let me ask, those of you who are married, how many would say you married someone who's just a little bit different from you? Just a little bit different. How many would say we're totally opposite in so many ways it's not even funny? Raise your hand. All right? Yeah. Awesome. It's interesting. When we're dating, they say that opposites attract. When we're married, opposites attack. Okay? (laughs) I'm preaching good. I'm going to close right now. I'll end on a good, good... How many know that what you think is cute when you're dating gets annoying when you're married? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm hitting everybody. All right. Let me do a quick survey, okay? And if you're here with your lovely spouse, uh, just, just kind of answer these. How many of you, you're the one who's punctual in your marriage? Being late drives you crazy. Raise your hand. All right, all right, good. How many would say, I'm more creative with my time, right? Now, just take your time raising your hand. Don't get in any big hurry, okay? But you're more creative with your time. You, you, you don't care. It's going to be there when you get there, right? All right. Again, take your time. Don't get in a hurry raising that hand. We got all the time in the world this morning for you, right? Um. How many would say in marriage, you like to plan a trip? Whenever you guys start off, you, you, you want to know where you're going, where you're staying before you ever head out of the driveway. Raise your hand. How many of you, you're more spin the bottle type place, I'll spin the bottle whatever direction it lands, that's where we're going until we run out of gas. Right? All right. <laughs> yeah. Very good. When it comes to money, how many would say, I'm, I'm a saver? I'm, I'm a saver. Raise your hand. How many would say I'm, a, I'm the spender in, in the family? Okay, all the spenders, I want you to hold your hands up. Okay, all of our ushers, be sure whenever we receive the offering, Calvin, Jerry, okay, Craig, when we receive the offering, Donnie, make sure you hit these guys with their hands up, okay? Pass by that other spouse, right? We've got savers and we've got spenders. And then the most important question, probably the ones that causes the most pain in marriages, if you're totally opposites, deep dish or thin crust? Deep dish, how many deep dish people we have in the house? How many thin crust? All right. Let's, let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little deeper. Steak, well done, medium, or rare? How many are rare people? How many... My wife likes her steak like she likes her chicken, extra crispy. That's, it's the exact same way. Now, probably the most important question that we have at our house, at the Cloud House, is when it comes to bacon. Squishy or extra crispy? Right? And I'm, I'm a crispy guy. I like my bacon to pop. Right? Everyone else in my family likes to be able to pull it. And it just stay together. 
their squishy bacon. That's what we call it, squishy. The kids, Dad, did you fix squishy bacon? <laughs> no, I did not. We don't want that. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess I'll have to eat it, <laughs> right? So, opposites will often attract when we're dating, and that's good news. If you're different than your spouse, that works, because listen, if you're the exact same person, one of you is unnecessary in the relationship. Woo-hoo! The challenge is that so often in marriage, we end up with conflict, and it starts off small, and then it gets to something bigger. And then there's mistrust, and then there's lies, there's deceit, there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness. And before long, somehow we wake up, and there's two people living under the same roof, but they're going, leading two totally different lives. And sometimes you ask the question, how do we go? How in the world did we go from where all the love songs of George Strait make sense? How did we go from wanting to buy teddy bears for each other and greeting cards and now we find ourselves in divorce court fighting over the vehicle that those love songs once played on. How, how do we get there? How do we go there? And God, it, it so quickly happens. And, and God does not want it to happen. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't have to happen. And that's, the way, that's why here at Elm Grove, we are making a commitment, not just right now, not just through the month of February, but we're making a commitment as part of our value system here to invest in our marriages. And this will be a safe place where if you need help, listen, you can call Elm Grove Little Vegas. What will be said here stays here. Okay? And, and we want to invest and we want to help. And, and today I want to talk to you about never giving up on your marriage. Never giving up. And I just want to say as I do, um, I'm not talking about those who may be in an abusive relationship and you're a punching bag and someone mistreats you and just tears you up. In that case, I believe you, you need to separate and you need to get away and you need to get healthy and you need to get help. Okay, You don't leave yourself in that situation. You don't leave yourself in that. Come on, somebody. You don't leave. I, I, a man should never lay his hands on his wife. And, and I'm here to tell you today, if you're in a situation like that, we have men here that are barely saved, and for $100, we can make a house call. And <laughs> What's everybody laughing about? But in all, all seriousness... Um, you don't need to be in that relationship. You don't need to be there. And I also want to say that for those that have had a marriage end and you divorced, and there, there's some maybe on the sound of my voice this morning, listen, as we talk this morning, I don't want you to feel any guilt because the chances are you've already felt that and you've, 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 you've walked through that or you're walking through that. And I know there's, there's many who they, they've done everything they could to keep their marriage together and someone else didn't work with you. Right. And they walked out on you and it ended and you were devastated. Right. And then there's also people under the sound of my voice that looking back, maybe you would say, you know what, I did a lot of things that were wrong. Right. I was the guilty party. And you wish, like everything, that you could have do-overs. Right. 
I, I know there's, there's parts of my life I wish I had do-overs. Don't, don't you wish we could have do-overs? And, and you carry the weight of that this morning because you, 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 you realize it's on you that you were, maybe you were younger and acting immature and maybe you just allowed Satan a foothold in, in the relationship and the situation and it led you away. And what I want to challenge us to do today, listen, we, we, we can't change what happened back here. But the good thing is, is that when we say, God, I, man, I, I messed up, I made a mistake, we talked about this the very first week. There's a giant eraser in the kingdom of heaven. Right. And that giant eraser comes by, and as far as east is from the west, God remembers our sin no more. Right on. God remembers that no more. And so today, I want to encourage you, no matter what your past, whether it's on you or it's not on you, okay, d- don't feel that guilt. Don't, the, the devil wants to take that and bring that back up to today. Right. Now you say, no, that, that, that's part of my past. It's gone. It, it may have been who I was, but it's not who I am. And it's not going to be who I will become later either. And so from this day forward, I want to challenge us to listen and, and mark this, that from this day forward, we're going to apply this. Everybody understand? Everybody cool? We're going to apply this from this day forward. And I want to start off with Matthew chapter 19. And in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6, it's a very interesting conversation between the Pharisees and between Jesus and and now the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus, and they're trying to trip him up on the whole subject of marriage and divorce. And Scripture says in verse 3, it says this. It says, Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him, and they asked the question, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now, if you'll pause here for just a moment. Unfortunately, during this time, this, this letter is being written. During this time, women were seen as, as, as property. And listen, that, that, that's not right. But during this time, women were seen as property. It was like if you have a, you, you, you know, as a man, you'd have a house, you'd have 40 head of cattle and, and three camels and a wife, and they were all viewed on the same level, okay, just as property. And I, I'm not saying that in any way to belittle anybody, because I, I, that, but that was the culture of this day. And so a man could just say, I don't want you, kind of like what we could say, you know what, I, I don't want that truck anymore. I'm tired of that truck, I want a new one. And so a man could just come up to his wife and say, you know what, I don't want this, this woman in my life anymore, I'm done. And just as easy as it is for us to trade in our car or to buy and sell our vehicle, uh, the, the husband of that time was just as easy for him to say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this, this marriage. I want a new one. And so the Pharisees, they're trying to trip up Jesus here. They're trying to put him in this trap. And they say, so what are you going to say about this? And we're going to watch as Jesus shocks everybody there. And he doesn't just raise the standard a little bit or a lot or a whole lot. He takes the standard to a whole nother level. And I want you to, to listen as every listener is here listening to his, his words. Here's what he says. He says, haven't you read, and then he quotes Genesis, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife for the two will become one flesh. And so they are no longer two but one. Now listen, not what, what he's not saying is that you don't have your own personality. What he's not saying is you, you no longer have your own gift. What he's not saying is you no longer have your identity. What he is saying is that now two are one in God's eyes. They are now one flesh and united before God. And that's why he goes on to say, therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Right. Now, this would be like taking two sheets of paper. If we this morning took two sheets of paper and the husband and the wife represented a sheet of paper, the husband this sheet of paper and the wife this sheet of paper, and we superglued those pieces of paper together and we put them together, 
at the top, at the bottom, and all along the sides. And then those two pieces of paper, we put them together, and now as they come together, they are one. They have become one. They've become one. And then you go through hurt and you go through pain, and, and this is why divorce hurts so much. And the people who, who were here this morning who have walked through divorce, you would be the, the, the best speaker this morning because you would be the first to tell us that walking through that is such a painful, painful situation, not only for you, but for also for those people around you, those people that love you. Yeah. And so taking those two sheets of paper, now that you've become one and you are glued together, you've become one flesh, you've become one, and then what happens in divorce is we take those two sheets of paper that have now become one in God's eyes, and then we try to pull them back apart and create two again. And how many know that when you try to pull those sheets of paper apart, there's going to be rips and tears and snags. There's going to be all kinds of mess because that thing has become one, right? And that's the way it is with whenever we leave relationships like that, when we try to pull apart uh, what God has joined together, uh, it, 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 sometimes it gets messy, and sometimes it gets nasty, and sometimes it gets hurtful, and sometimes, a lot of times, there's, there's pain involved, and there's hurt, and there, there's, there's just struggle, and it goes so many different ways. Why? Because it's incredibly painful to walk through that. Yeah. And the, the problem in our culture today is that, I'm just going to say this, I, I don't think that we understand marriage as a whole. I, I think that nowadays it's so easy. Do you know it's easier to get a marriage license than it is a driver's license? It's, it's so, so it, it, it's easier. And today, we, the way we teach marriage and the way we view marriage, we view it as a contract. And marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. Right. And if you're taking notes, write this down, okay? What, what, what is a contract? Well, this is what a contract is based on. A contract is based on mutual distrust, okay? A contract is based on mutual distrust. A covenant is based upon mutual commitment, Okay, and, and what, what, what is a contract? It's, a, it's based on mutual distrust. What does, that, what does that do? Well, a contract limits my responsibility but increases my rights. Okay, that's what a contract does. It limits my responsibility but increases my rights. It basically says that if I'm in contact, contract with you, I'm in as far as you're in. I'm in as far as you're in. For example, when me and Jenny and I, when we first got married, when me, me and Jenny and I, that was... There was just one of me, okay? When Jenny and I first got married, uh, we rented our first apartment in the big city of Alva, America. Ride, Rangers, ride, right? That was back when, uh, when uh, Northwestern was uh, winning national championships in football, and it was a fun time to be there. And so we decided, hey, let's just get married so we can, you know, celebrate national championships together, right? That's the whole reason we, no, I'm just joking. But we, we got married, and we lived in Alva. Uh, there used to be a homeland in Alva. How do you remember homeland? Well, there was a, a quad, uh, quadruplex of apartments. It was across the street from homeland, and we rented one of those apartments. I did not know the landlords, and they didn't know me. I could tell them how godly I was, and they wouldn't give a flip. They didn't care, right? And so I could tell them any of that stuff. We still had to sign a contract. I was even a pastor. How dare they make me sign a contract? Don't they know I'm a man of the cloth? Right? <laughs> Sometimes that cloth needs washed. <laughs> but they made me sign a contract. They didn't trust me. And to be honest, I didn't know them. So I didn't trust them. 
And basically it says, I'm in as far as you're in. If you don't do what you've agreed to do, if we didn't do what we agreed to do, pay them a certain amount on a certain day, then they could remove us. But if they didn't fulfill their part, and they didn't do what they said that they would do, we could have a judgment against them. And so I trust you as far as you perform. But when you don't live up to the expectations that I want, then I can be out. Okay, that's a contract. And sadly, that's a lot of marriages today. And that's why so many people do with marriage. Hey, as long as you make me happy, as long as you meet my needs, as long as nothing better comes along, I'll stick with you. But if you don't live up to your end of the contract, I'm out. So we're getting really good today, aren't we? But marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. The Bible calls it a covenant. A covenant is a permanent relationship. That's what it is, and that's what God has with you. Aren't you glad God didn't send Jesus to die on a cross so that we could have a contract with him? Because I would have messed up that contract so many times. I would have messed up so many times. But it's not a contract. God sent Jesus to make a covenant with us. To bring a blood covenant with us. And now, no matter what happens, I am his and he is mine. I can't walk away and he's not going to walk away. Why? Because he's faithful. And so we've got to take... Well, that's good. Give that a hand. Yeah. And so God is a covenantal God. He is a God who, who develops relationship and covenant with people, and it's permanent. And so, in fact, the Hebrew word that's translated as covenant is the word berith, B-E-R-I-T-H, berith. And it literally means a cutting. The word covenant literally means a cutting. In the Old Testament, here's what they would do. They would take a bull, and they would cut the bull in half. And then the two parties would walk inside of that bull seven times to create a covenant, okay? They would walk inside of that cut bull seven times, walk through it to create a covenant. And, and, and they would say, if I break my covenant, may what has happened to this bull happen to me. In other words, this is serious business. Now, I got thinking about that. <laughs> And first of all, I just start craving a burger. <laughs> right? Well, that'd be a big burger. But man, what a picture. As you develop covenant with someone, you would walk through the, that bull that was sliced in two with the blood flowing. You would walk in the midst of that bull seven times to create that covenant with one another. And if you broke it, May what has happened to this bull happen to me. In the Old Testament, the way people would get married, I don't know, I don't think they require this anymore, but I remember back in, in 2001 when Jenny and I got married, we had to have a, a, a blood test. Um, I, I don't think they require that anymore. We almost didn't get married because of that. Okay? Needles and Jared don't go together. And so, like, I'm not joking. I wish I was joking, but I'm not. I literally looked up at Kansas and said, hey, we can cross the line, get married, and come back and have a celebration, right? Because I mean, just the blood, just that thought of it. But I sacrificed my body, <laughs> right? 
Come on, how, how many have that same healthy fear? Can't, like, when Jenny had J.D., it's, it's, it's story time, okay? When, when Jenny had J.D., our very first child, okay, we, we went to the hospital, and, and they started poking and prodding, trying to get the IV. The very first thing, right? I mean, that's the other thing you do. You go to the hospital, got a little cough, you need an IV, right? And I, no, I just got a cough. Back away, evil woman, right? <laughs> you know, or evil man, whoever's coming at you. And so, but, you know, we, we went in, and Jenny's fixing to have JD, and they're, they're trying to put a, 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 a needle in, you know, an IV, and I pass smooth out. Like, I'm sitting there, and, I'm, I'm, and Jenny's like, don't watch it, Jared. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. We're about to have a baby. Oh, dear Jesus. And I'm out, right? I'm out. And Jenny's wondering. She's like, how is he going to make it through childbirth, right? I did. I did. I made it through all that other stuff. All that other stuff was just fine. And it was so easy. It was so easy. But, <laughs> but that, 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 that IV got me, man. It got me. And I just passed smooth out. When they brought in the epidural, the nurse was like, you need to look away, sir. You need to look away. And I was like, I, I think I will. I think I will. <laughs> but the way that, that they would do marriage in the Old Testament is the priest or the representative of God would take the hand of the groom and the hand of the bride and he would take a, a really small, sharp razor, a really small, sharp blade and he would make an incision upon the palm of one of the hands and then he would make another incision on the palm of the, of the bride and the palm of the groom and blood would emerge. And I'm thinking, thank you, Lord, I'm not an Old Testament person. And he would take those hands and he would join those hands together as blood would flow from the hands. And then he would take a cord or a rope and he would tie their hands together. And literally, they would mingle life because the book of Leviticus says that the life of a person is in the blood. And so literally, they would mingle the life. And that priest would take that cord, take that rope, tie their hands together. And that would symbolize that they are no longer now two, but they are one tied through the blood. Come on. And, 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 and now what God has joined together, let no man separate. You can't unone what God has made one. You can't unone, I know it's not good grammar, but it's good preaching, what God has made one. They're joined together now. They've become one flesh. Jared, do you take Jenny to be your wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaken all others? Be faithful to her as long as she makes you happy. No, no, no. No, no, no. As long as she fulfills part of her deal. No, no, no. As long as there's nobody else better that comes along. No, no, no. As long as you both shall live. Bingo. Now we got it. There's no end date. Why? Because this is not a contract. This is a covenant. This is a covenant. On a contract, there's an end date. You rent this house for me, and you're only supposed to rent this house for a year, and at the end of the year, we'll renegotiate. We'll redo If you want to continue, then that's fine. That's not a, that, but this is not a contract. This is a covenant. Until death do us part. And there's been times Jenny's been real close about making that come to, come to pass. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> Don't sit there and act all holy. You know what I'm talking about. What, but what happens when marriage is difficult? What happens when it's painful? How many know Billy and Ruth Graham? They sit right back over. No, they don't. Billy, Billy Graham. 
the great evangelist. They didn't have marriage problems. He's a great man of God. There's no way, right? No way. Here's what Ruth Graham said. She passed away several years ago. But she, uh, she struggled at times with his travel schedule. And, and he had been gone for, sometimes she said, up to six months at a time. And, and you can just imagine raising kids for six months with no husband there. That's, that's tough, how difficult that was. And one time a reporter asked, she said, did you ever consider divorcing Billy when times were hard in your marriage? And Ruth said, I never considered divorcing him. I considered murdering him, but never divorce. Okay? <laughs> that's the great Billy and Ruth Graham. But I'm not happy. I don't trust him. She's not that. He's not this. I don't love her anymore. I don't love him anymore. Listen, getting divorced because we run out of love, that's like selling your car because you run out of gas. Come on. To get divorced because it's not going well, that's like getting rid of your car because you need new tires. What do you do? You refill the love. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. There are sometimes Jenny wakes up and she chooses to love me. Especially when I'm all stopped up and been snoring all night. She makes a choice in that moment. I love him with the pillow on his head. I love him. Right? Don't get me wrong. I know there'll be those. Those times when you go, but I don't have any more love. I don't have any more forgiveness. I don't have any more grace. I've done everything I can. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Guess what? That's when your seeking God really pays off. Because when you don't have any love, guess who loves through you? The God who is love. It's not something that he does. It's someone that, who he is. And therefore, uh, God forgives through you when you can't forgive. God loves through you when you can't love. God strengthens you when you can't be strong. God restores you when you don't feel like restoring. You let go and you let God have the strength to do through you what you cannot do on your own. Come on, somebody clap. Somebody put your hands together. Now what do you do? What do you do when you're trying, you're seeking God, you're hoping to love and you're just not getting anywhere? What, what, what do you do? Well, I just want to encourage you, and I want you to remember the principle this morning of sowing and reaping in marriage. For those of you that are not married yet, this is a good foundational teaching. Remember the principles of sowing and reaping, and let's cover them briefly. Galatians chapter 7, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 7 through 9, it says this, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please a sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction, but the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, for some of you, this is the verse that we, we hang on to. For some, this is the Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let me kind of wrap this up today with two principles of sowing and reaping in marriage. And the first one is this. You reap what you sow. Okay? You reap what you sow. If I put an apple seed in the ground, I'm not getting an orange tree. Right? I reap what I sow. I'm going to get an apple tree. I put an apple seed in. I reap what I sow. If someone smiles at you, what are you most likely to do back? I hope. Come on, someone smile at me. Let me know you still love me. 
Carolyn, I can always count on Carolyn. You're likely to smile back, aren't you? Someone smiles at you. You're driving down the road, someone flips you off. What are you likely to do? Bless them and pray for them in the name of Jesus. That's what you do. What, what are y'all thinking? That's not what I'm talking about. In marriage, someone shows you grace. Someone shows you compassion. Someone shows thoughtfulness. What are you likely to show back? Maybe not the first time. Because you're like, oh, that's fake. That's not them. Right? I've been married to him 47 years. That's not who he is. It may take some time. Come on. It may take some time, but we show it back. Yes. Someone's always complaining and comparing and critical over and over again. What are we going to get back? <laughs> this is good preaching. Thank you. Good, the harvest <laughs> depends on the seeds that you plant. Yes, now, men, don't miss this. Men, we, we were taught in the marriage seminar, the marriage conference we had here before, uh, before Valentine's Day that women are multipliers. What you give a woman, she will multiply. That's why you give her your bachelor pad whenever y'all first got married. And she comes in and she changes a bachelor pad into a a beautiful home with towels and rugs that match. Right? You're like, I didn't even know we had towels. (laughs) You know? And so a woman can multiply. A woman can make something beautiful. You give a woman a can of Spam and somehow they turn into a steak dinner. Now, don't go try that. But, <laughs> but women, they, they, they multiply. Ladies, is that true? Three of us, all right. <laughs> Guys, you give your wives a hard time, they multiply, yeah. right? Amen. They'll multiply it. Yeah. So here's the bottom line. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you've been giving if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you've been given. Someone say, ouch, ouch. ouch, ouch. Look at what you've been given. And the second thing is, not only you reap what you sow, but here, here's, here's something that's vital. You reap where you sow. You reap where you sow. If I plant a seed over here, am I going to get a tree over here? No. If I plant all my energy and all my effort and all my passion into my job, Oh, come on, somebody. And to my hobbies. Come on, somebody. Am I going to get a better marriage? I'm going to get better at golf. I'm going to get better at the things that I enjoy. I'm going to get better at those things. I'm going to get better. If I put, you ready for, okay, here we go. Everybody get, okay, still toes ready? What about if I put all my energy into my kids? That's kind of what I thought. Because I'm going to be honest, we've been guilty. What if I put all, but, but, but pastor, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a dad. They're, they're, they're. No, 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 your number one is your marriage. You pour your life into your kids and you give them a weak marriage, they don't have a legacy to stand on. Your number one is your marriage. And the more confident they are in the love of mom and dad, the more confident they are in their home. And the more confident they grow up as young men and young women of God. 
Your number one is your marriage. And guys, it's so easy to pour ourselves into our kids, even into our grandkids. It's so easy. But you got to keep home home. you got to keep home base number one. you got to keep that marriage number one after the relationship with God. I understand that. But do you understand what I'm saying? And so we can't plant over here with the kids and reap over here in the marriage. We, 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 we can't do that. And honestly, that's where we've lived for so long. And I'm telling you, this one statement, this one statement, and I'm going to close with right here. This is my third closing. I'm about done. Give me 20 more minutes. <laughs> this one statement is going to seem simple, but don't miss the power of it. You get to decide how good your marriage will be. You get to decide. You ought to write that down. Tweet that. Facebook that. Instagram that. Take a picture of me and put it on Instagram. Get the wide lens, but do it. You get to decide how good your marriage will be. And circle the word we and circle the word decide. We decide how good our marriage will be. Don't think just for a moment because we're pastors, we don't have problems. Right. We've got issues. Right. I've got issues. Right. I've got issues. I live in a sin-filled world. But I decided that I'm going to seek God to forgive. Yes. And I'm going to love. Thank you. And we're going to have fun together yes. as husband and wife. Yes. And I remind her every day, you're having fun with me. Sometimes you got to remind them, man. Sometimes you got to remind them how much fun they're really having. And we decided we're going to stay pure for one another. And we decided we're going to have as good of a marriage as we decide we're going to have. And we're not going to give up. We're not going to give up. We're not going to give up. Now, let's come down to where we all live. Some of you right now, you're going to say, yeah, but Cloud, <laughs> I heard all that stuff. I've heard this whole month, and it's been sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher to me, right? Right? And you just don't get it. Jared, I've been through so much, I don't feel it. I don't feel like being nice. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't feel like showing grace. I don't feel like praying for him. I feel like laying hands on him, but I don't feel like praying for him. I don't feel like working on it. I don't feel like staying married. I don't feel it, so I am not. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Let me say this, and I mean this with all sincerity and all love, okay? Give me one other area of your life where you can make that same excuse and get away with it. Give me one other area. Boss, I don't feel like working this year. So I'm taking off. Well, you don't work, you don't eat. I don't feel like taking care of my kids anymore. They're always wanting something. They're like one and three, and they're always wanting something. Can't you just go out and do something on your own? 
don't feel like taking care of them. I don't feel like being a parent anymore. We've all had those feelings. You just lost respect for me, right? I've had those feelings. What was I thinking having four kids? Four. We were at two and we were good. Three is like, oh, okay, blessing. Four is like, what's happening here? (laughs) We got it figured out. (laughs) That's our issue. Pastor, I don't feel like paying taxes. <laughs> huh? How's that going to work for you? What do you do? And this is easy to say, but tough to walk out. You get over your feelings and you do what's right. You lead. You, you don't be led by your feelings. You lead your feelings. And there's been times that Jenny has led her feelings with me. I don't feel like loving him, but I'm going to choose to love him. And guess what? Before long, that feeling's back. And we're singing those love songs each other we talked about last week. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to lead your feelings. You get over your feelings and you get under the power of God. Yeah. And you do what's right. Don't grow weary in doing good. At the proper time, you'll reap a harvest. Pastor, what can my harvest be? What's it going to look like? I don't know, but let me give you some ideas. You can have a testimony. You can look at other people and say, look where we were and look what God did in our life. You wouldn't believe how bad it was. You wouldn't believe how much God has changed me. You wouldn't believe how unfaithful I was. But oh my goodness, God has changed me. You wouldn't believe how neglectful I was in my marriage. You wouldn't believe the things that we've walked through, the things that we've come through. You wouldn't believe the way my, my kids looked at mom and dad and the way, way they viewed us as enemies and, and battling against each other. But now our kids, they view us and mom and dad has integrity before God. Mom and dad loves the Lord and, and the, our house is become a home we've decided we're going to put the word first we're going to put god first and that means something in our life that this is a spiritual legacy that we're going to live behind we're not going to let the enemy steal what god has blessed us with we're not going to do it and so we will not give up we will not faint i feel like that movie we will not go quietly into the night we will not vanish without a fight this is our Independence Day! We don't give up just because we can't come to agreement. We don't give up just because we don't have the feeling. We make a commitment because we made a covenant. We've made a covenant. Stand to your feet this morning. Father, I thank you today. I thank you that your spirit is going to speak life and hope into those who are hurting here this morning. God, I know I know there are some those who feel like there's just no way possible. And God, I pray that you would build faith 
I pray that supernaturally, Father, there would be miracles in this place. There'd be forgiveness. There'd be restoration. There'd be healing as we seek you and as we never give up on one another. And God, we seek after you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, there are many of us here that are married. There are many of us who are not. But one day maybe you hope to be. What I'd like to ask you to do, just think about your marriage. Maybe think about your future marriage. And I want to ask you to think about it as a covenant, not as a contract. And those of you this morning say, you know what, I, I really do. I want to see this as something, our marriage that we honor God with. That God's honored by this relationship that he's given us. I want to see my marriage or my future marriage as a covenant. And we will not grow weary in doing good. We're going to stick together. We're going to work through it. We're going to make that commitment to God and we're going to make that commitment to one another through this covenant. That I'm, I'm hers and he's mine. And that's just the way it's going to be. Leaving is not an option. Staying is our only hope. This morning, if that's you, you say, I'm going to make that commitment. I'm going to make that commitment to my spouse. If you're standing beside your spouse, I want you to grab their hand right now. We're going to make that commitment. If that's you and you say, yeah, that, that's me, Jared. I'm making that commitment today. I'm making that decision today. That our relationship will be a foundation of godliness, of righteousness, for a harvest of righteousness, not only in our marriage, but for our kids, for our grandkids, for those around us. If that's you, you just slip your hand up right now. I make that commitment, that covenant this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. God, I thank you this morning for those who are married, for those who have good marriages. God, that you'll make them even better. And God, I thank you for those who are walking in, in, some, in some times of, of struggle, some times of obstacle in their relationship. God, I think them just being here this morning shows they're not ready to quit. They're not ready to give up. God, they came this morning, even though that may be what they feel, their spirit has led them here this morning because they know deep down in their heart that they belong to you and they belong to one another. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would do a supernatural work in our heart and in our life. God, especially those who are hurting and struggling. And God, maybe that relationship is just hanging on by a thread. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what we cannot do. God, that you would love them through this time. God, that we would forgive. God, that we would embrace. God, that we would uh, be agents of restoration where it seems impossible. And Father, that where, where things seem hopeless, God, through your power and through your strength, we trust in you and we believe that we will plant the right seeds and we will reap the right harvest at the right time because we do not give up. And so Father, we embrace you this morning. We embrace this word and we embrace this commitment to one another. As you continue praying this morning, I want to tell you about an incredible verse about God's love. It's 
Scripture says in Hebrews that he endured the pain of the cross, Jesus. He went through the pain of the cross. He who was without sin became sin for us. We've talked about never giving up on one another. Well, Jesus never gave up on us. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was bruised. He was tortured. But he never gave up. He went through everything he went through because of his great love for us. And Scripture says it was for the joy set before him that he endured the pain. He endured the cross. What was that joy? That joy was you, my friend. That joy was you. For you, he went through all that. And so maybe you're here this morning. And maybe you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ. This morning, I I just want to invite you to begin that relationship with him. He went through everything that he went through because he knew you would be here today. And he wanted you to have this opportunity to come and to join in on the greatest life known to man. A life with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I don't want to dismiss this morning before we give you an opportunity to come to the Lord, to make things right to set things new and say, God, come into my heart, come into my life and make me brand new. If that's you today, you need to make that commitment to the Lord. Will you just slip your hand up right now? You can just slip it up and right back down. Is there anybody in this place? Yes, thank you. Anybody? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask everyone in this place, if you would, would you say this prayer with me aloud? For those three that raise their hand, just understand, don't let these be words that flow from my mouth. Let these be words that flow from your heart this morning. But we're believing God's doing a work in your heart and in your life at this moment. And all those old things are washed away, and today everything's become brand new. You got a brand new start this morning. But would you join me in this prayer? Just pray with me. Say, Father, I come before you today in need of a Savior. I cannot save myself. So today I confess I'm in need of you. I'm in need of great help. And I turn to the only one who can provide what I need. I've tried it on my own. It doesn't work. So today, I give my life to you. Take me and mold me and make me into who you want me to be. I confess I'm yours and I renounce my old life. And then today, I'm made brand new. Forgive me of my sin. Make me white as snow. And today, I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.